When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, we've got such a great podcast for you today because Nathan and I are talking about what? About the best 4x4s we've driven over the past 10 years, and they don't necessarily have to be brand new. Absolutely, yeah. So Nathan's owned a lot of really cool off-roaders. I've owned some turds of off-roaders, and we've driven basically every new four-wheel drive on the market, and we're going to talk about the hits, the misses, and everything in between. Welcome to TFL Talk, the official podcast of TFL Studios, where we talk about the best, and yes, even sometimes the worst new cars. We talk about the coolest and sometimes the least uncool old cars. And of course, we give you an insider's view of all things automotive. And hopefully we do it having fun and sometimes arguing. So if you're driving, keep driving. And if you're not, why not? So Nathan... You've been with us since the very beginning, 2009, and we've had a lot of fun off-road over the years. We have, and um, there's a lot of funny stories. I can only mention a few of them, Um, but (laughs) even in the early days, I think like a year after your dad and I started shooting together, we almost rolled a Jeep Grand Cherokee, um, a green one. I don't know if you recall that one, but that, we I mean, we came really close to rolling that. And that was like right after he and I started shooting together. And I was like, oh, that's a bad thing. Yep, that was uh, quite the save you, you managed on that, <laughs> yeah, that Grand Cherokee off-road. But yeah, since then, we haven't rolled anything else. No. Technically, we didn't roll that one either. No, no, we didn't. But yeah, we'll talk about every brand, talk about some of the big hits we've driven, talk about some of the big misses, because there's certainly been a lot of those oh, yeah. too. And I want to talk about the first vehicle Nathan had when I met him, which was oh. a Land Rover Discovery 1. Yeah, it was the first generation Land Rover Discovery, and it was a rare model because it had the manual transmission and in the United States, oh, and the gas engine. So in the United States, those things were really rare. And I wanted one specifically because it had a manual transmission and it had a third row, and I was just a brand new dad. I had one kid at the time. And it looked, it was in great shape physically outside, and I thought my wife would love it. She hated it. That was the first vehicle she truly hated, and I thought she was going to put sugar in the gas tank. So we're going to enter right into marriage advice with Nathan. Wait, well, I thought we were going to wait for that. No, we're, we're just oh, going right into oh, it. God. So you have a vehicle that your spouse hates. Truly hates. What is the solution? Sell the vehicle or sell the spouse? <laughs> you can't make it that simple. <laughs> okay, so here's an example. Uh, the, the, the land, the, okay, so the Discovery had a major issue. It's British. As such, it leaks. That's just how they are. And we had a brand new house at the time we just bought. And I bring this thing home. I park it in the driveway. I tell my wife how wonderful it is. We go driving around. She doesn't mind it too much. 
And she, we get back to the driveway, and she says, "What are those spots on the driveway? We haven't owned anything prior to this, right? Brand right. New, you know, we're just you know newlyweds." And I said, "Oh, that must be oil from something else." No, she figured it out really quick, <laughs> and she's just like, "You're parking that on the street from here on." So immediately she hates it, right? Now, could I say, "Oh, honey, it's either you or the vehicle"? I can't say that. I mean, come on, we're newlyweds. Love you, love you, love you. All that stuff. I tried everything I could to solve the oil issue, and by the time it finally, I think I had it taken care of, it started having an electrical issue. <laughs> the one time she had to drive it, at the time with our brand new baby, she puts the kid in there in the little baby seat and all this other stuff, gets it all locked in, she jumps in, goes to start it, won't start. Not only that, I mean, just nothing. So she figured dead battery, she calls AAA, they can't jump it. Meanwhile, I'm at an event, so I'm far away. And... <laughs> Long story short, I come home, and when you have a spouse who st- glares at you when you open the door with the keys in their hand, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> and so you're asking me, the car or the spouse? Yep. It was the car. Oh. But well, here's the funny part. I got rid of it, and that's when I bought my Jimmy. My big GMC 1990 Jimmy, you know, with the top that comes off and, you know, all that other stuff, a 350 with a Saginaw four-speed, which, by the way, she hated but that one didn't leak, and there were other reasons why she hated that one. That's a whole different story. But a majority of the vehicles I did get rid of were partly due to my spouse not liking them for one reason or another. So if you have, like, a situation where she liked it at first, yeah, she soured by the leaking, right? maybe soured by a, an electrical issue, is there any way of coming back from that? Can you be like, oh, the electrical issue is fixed, it won't happen again? You have to instill trust. As such, you have to have them. You have to make them drive it. Not, not just like, oh, you really should drive it someday and maybe it, you'll find it's better. You have to be like, oh, I'm taking your car for some stupid reason, lie. And you need to take this vehicle and you need them to fall in love with it again, mm. right? Uh, which did happen, surprisingly, with other vehicles I had later on. Um, and then bad things happen and, of course, they hate them again. But the point is, is that if you can get them to experience the vehicle, drive it, see the benefits then in many cases, they'll overlook some of the issues. Especially if you tell them it has a personality, by the way. I, I swear to God, that helps. <laughs> if you tell them, like, you know, this vehicle, and give it a name, this vehicle's got a personality. I've even given it a name, honey, and they, they think it's cutesy. And, guys, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, chauvinistic here. This is just my perspective. Yeah. Just as a, as a, as a dude, right? So For free. You're getting this valuable marriage advice This for is free. all for free. I, you can pay for, you know, more in-depth information later. But the, <laughs> the point is, is that, no, really, if, if you give something a soul, if you give something, even if it doesn't really have one, all cars do, but some don't. But if you give it something extra and they look at that and go, oh, this is why he likes it. This is why. Oh, this that's utilitarian. Oh, it's kind of fun to drive. Whatever. If you can instill those things, then they sometimes will overlook some of the small problems it has, which we will talk about later, and that's the Zuzu that I had. Well, and Nathan is in a unique situation where yeah. your wife appreciates a vehicle and even knows how to drive a manual transmission. Not only that, she worships it. Do you know that I uh, had to buy the last vehicle sold in the United States that had a manual transmission with a third row seat? Did you really? Yeah, you, you, you oh, saw that's it. that's right. Yes. The Mazda 5. The Mazda 5, that's right. It's kind of a mixture of a minivan on Mazda 3, but it had a manual transmission as an option. Um, it was actually the first new vehicle I bought for my wife. Wow. Yeah. And um, she loved it and beat the hell out of it. That thing, she actually broke a wheel. Not, 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 not. <laughs> You know, she actually hit a manhole cover that was slightly open, bounced off that, and hit a curb. 
and actually split the wheel. Wow. Yeah. We replaced the <laughs> the clutch on that thing twice. We replaced the suspension up front. Uh, I had to re- tape on a bumper three days after she bought it. Oh, no. um, oh, she treated that thing like Helga at the House of Pain, you know, just beat that thing with a whip. And it was really, really solid, great mileage. It was a good little van. Yeah. I don't call it a van, MPV, whatever. But it, it, it was great for an, a new family. It was probably one of the best cars we owned. Other than snow, it was brilliant. So going back to the Land Rover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, now, one of my first memories at this company was cruising down the highway at, like, 95 degrees outside with all the windows down and the heater on because yeah. it had some uh, some overheating uh, potential. Which I did fix later on. I, did, I replaced the thermostat later. Um, yeah, that, that, that um, it had... Guys, you know that, you know, when you see something that you really like, you forgive it for its small, minor issues. Now, before it started overheating, by the way, we did take it off-road yeah. with a full load of people. Um, the vehicle itself had its own personality because it ripped the pants of one of the people who was on board. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a coil, like the top of a coil spring that was sticking out of the seat in the back. Was, that was classic. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Iconic, um, yep. But yeah, I, we had to go down, slow down, because uh, the temperature was flying off the thing. And so we turned the heater on. It, it worked. It, you know, it, it, it got us back home. But um, I, I replaced the thermostat, which really took care of that problem. So it's just... <laughs> Used British vehicles that go off-road tend to have some minor issues that you do have to take care of. Also, little things were way more expensive on that, which is hard to sell my wife on. So used Land Rover Discovery 1, a yay or nay? Oh, I'd say yay, absolutely. Especially with the manual transmission, I think it's brilliant. But you just have to be prepared to do a lot of the maintenance on your own unless you're willing to spend pretty much double what it would cost for an average off-roader to fix. Now... Going off of that, we actually did a long-term project series on a Discovery 2. Yeah. Which is known to be actually, in a lot of ways, less reliable than the one. And that was crazy, wasn't it? And this thing was an absolute tank. It was fantastic. So I think we bought it for 6000 and this was like in 2018, kind of before the off-road market exploded. But it had the lift on it already, the ARB bumper, the Warren Winch. I mean, and you could point this thing anywhere, in any direction in the U.S., and just cruise along at 70, 75. And it didn't overheat. The AC worked, the heater worked. I mean, we probably put... Eight ten thousand 10,000 miles on that thing in the course of a year. We use it as a camera rig. Oh, and it did some serious off-roading. Yeah, and it just kept coming it's back Moab twice, right? I yeah, think. <laughs> three times. Three times, yeah. Um, I took it to Moab like in the middle of summer and just, you know, drove the beans off of it. We were doing the White Room Trail with some friends. It was just a little vacation I took. And um, I, I kind of underestimated how long the trail would take because it's like 120 miles. But yeah, it's long. So I show up to the start of the trail at like noon with my friends, and I figured it'd be like three, four hours to the campsite, and the site said nine. And we're like, oh, we're not doing that in nine. So I got to that campsite in like four hours, like passing forerunners and Tacomas, and they're like, what is this crusty Land Rover doing? But yeah, it was great. Loved it. That was a fantastic vehicle. Uh, but like you said, shortly after we sold it, um, it had the three Amigos come on. Um, it started having some um, um, electrical issues in the engine, so like... It is a potential when you're buying an old Land Rover. Yeah, and and you really have to love it in order to to own it and actually enjoy it like that. But they are lovable. They are very – and they have uh, personality. So, yeah, I mean, I think actually, at least from my perspective, maybe Nathan's different, but all the old Land Rovers we owned, um, that one and the LR3 were both phenomenally reliable. The LR3 was quite good, if I recall, too. They had no problems. Yeah, and the, the, the life hack on this one, and this is what everyone tells us, and we definitely found it's true, the most reliable used Land Rover you can buy is an 06 or an 09 LR3. They had the best engine, the AJV8, yeah. pretty good transmissions. The air suspension can be um, remedied fairly simply. They're not all that complicated yet on those vehicles. Really durable overall. 
So yeah, LR3s are absolutely phenomenal. So I would agree with you. Those I, are it was surprising how good that was. So what happened to the Jimmy? Oh, the Jimmy was, that was a great vehicle, but there was a problem. First of all, not a very family-friendly vehicle because back in those days, they didn't really have seat anchors or anything else like that. So you had to tie in your baby seat in a special way. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the problem. Uh, I love driving that thing topless, meaning the top off, not with me. <laughs> and uh, I would just keep it off almost all year, except for when the snow would come in. First of all, the top itself wore, I think it was like 300 pounds. It was heavy. It was a really heavy top because it's all fiberglass. Mm. So that was rough to do on your own to put on and to, uh, take off. Secondly, if it rained, which it does occasionally in Colorado, and anybody's in the back seat, they would get wet. Whereas in the people in the front seat had that roof over them, right? And that was a problem just driving it around every day. Um, so I would get my, I got my in-law wet, like really, really, really wet. And there's nothing I could do. I was driving down the highway. The rain, I didn't realize it. It was only light rain for me. And oh, then no. she got drenched. And the, the look of disapproval from both my wife and her mother was bad. And that, that kind of, that was one of the reasons why I got rid of it. But the other reason I got rid of it was it wasn't what I expected off-road. It just, it's a really heavy vehicle. The short wheelbase benefited it, but... When I would, and I did take it to Moab, and um, it wasn't fins and things. Um, it was near Poison Spider. I can't remember that 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 one area at that's near it. That, sure, it's good off-roader area, and I, I had a good time. And then I'm like watching Jeeps going through places I can't go. It's just too wide, mm. and also got terrible mileage. And my wife couldn't drive it very well. The Saginaw four-speed on that, which is just like the green truck we had. Remember that big, that manual? Yeah. The throws were way too long. She just had a hard time really engaging it in gear and all that other stuff. So that one she didn't really push me to get rid of. That one I kind of decided on my own after about two years. My kids loved it. Um, you know, my nephew and my daughter, they just thought it was awesome. But I had to get rid of it. That, that one just didn't make a lot of sense. Okay. So right? that, that's a nay. First nay. It's a nay just based on where I was at the time, but it still was a fantastic truck. All right, now let's go to something new, and actually a vehicle that we spent a lot of time with recently you just drove, and that's, of course, the new Ford Bronco. Uh, what are we thinking? You just were in the Raptor. Uh, we did some drag racing. What do you think of what they did with the Bronco? I think the Raptor's ridiculous, and it's unnecessary. I, I'm sorry, guys. I know it's an awesome truck, and if you live in Baja, California, and you can really take it and make it work, great. But I think that the, the Raptor version of the Bronco is almost completely unnecessary and ridiculous price. The regular Bronco that we have, well, regular, you know, the one that we have, or a Sasquatch package on any Bronco is more than adequate to make it a seriously good off-roader that's really good to drive on the streets. Mm. I would give it higher marks to drive on a daily basis than a, the equivalent Wrangler, but I think the Wranglers are still slightly better off-road or a little bit more off-road happy with the solid front and rear axles and all that stuff. Um, they're, they're both, you know, it's give and take. Also, I think that the uh, the Broncos are more uh, comfortable, oh, yeah. a little bit more practical. Oh, yeah, way more comfortable, for, for big people at least. So the Bronco Raptor, nay, but the regular Bronco, pretty much every other uh, Bronco, yes. That's yay. very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. So the Bronco, I, I mean, we've driven all sorts of different trims of it at this point. I mean, yeah. it's just they really got it right, right out of the box. They really did an excellent job. They right just that. nailed it, and they really – kind of address some of the big issues with the Wrangler. Like you mentioned, comfort. Yeah, it's I mean, huge. The seat comfort, the width of the interior. Exactly. 
Yeah. Much better. Your, your dad and I, when we drive any Wrangler, we're rubbing shoulders and we're doing man contact that we don't want, <laughs> right? Um, but when we drive the Bronco, there's plenty of extra space. We could put our arm up on the uh, you know armrest and we're still not touching, no man touch, which I think is kind of important, you know, in terms of comfort. But also my legs are comfortable, his legs are comfortable, and, and we're very different in terms of our build. Your dad's all legs. I'm, I'm like all torso, right? And both of us are very comfortable driving that vehicle. So I think it's a far more comfortable vehicle than a Wrangler. I Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. I also think that the technology is good. You've got pretty good tech in the Ford as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the wheel dragging thing is really... Mm, oh, you don't like the turn I just I, I don't think it really does much. That's when you push the button and it like helps you make a tighter turn. Because it breaks one of the wheels and so it slides it. as And it does work. It's just, it's a little much. But like you, uh, like, like you talked about, I mean, off-road, they're killer. They do have independent front suspension, but with the stay bar disconnect... We were taking the, uh, I was just on the Ford Everglades program. We were taking that stuff through uh, that thing uh, through some amazing places. That one didn't have the Swayber disconnect, but the Raptor did. And like, you'd be like, wow, this just went up that stock. But as you mentioned, the Sasquatch Bronco in 35s, that'll go everywhere you More need than to go. adequate. And the thing is, is that the Raptor version is just too damn wide. Well, I mean, it's it's as wide as as a regular Raptor. That Raptor, exactly same same width, like yeah. eighty seven inches wide, eighty eight inches wide. Um, I was amazed with that the the Bronco Raptor, um, on like a Raptor course, you know, high speed in the desert. I was like, exactly, that's what it's built for. But if you don't live in Johnson Valley or you don't have a place to really kind of ring it out like that, to your point, a standard Bronco is going to do. Anything you needed to more than adequate, more than that, and, and and that that's what I and that's why I say you know nay on the uh, the Bronco Raptor. Personally speaking, and the funny thing is I grew up in desert country. Oh, okay, because Los Angeles, right? Yeah. So I mean, Gorman, all those other areas are pretty easy to access, and that's great to open up the taps. But I still would rather have something I can take anywhere and have a better experience off roading. That's why the Wrangler is quite good because I think that its uh, proportions are quite good. For off-roading, I mean, you know this. So, if you could get any Bronco right now, you've got the two-door, the four-door, mm-hmm. you've got the uh, the three the three-cylinder, the four-cylinder, and the V6, and you got the manually automatic. What would be your choice? As much as I love manual transmissions on on vehicles, and I'm thrilled that they have an option, they don't have it connected to the more powerful engine, right. <clears throat> which is the issue. I need it hooked up to something more powerful. They don't, they're not doing that yet. So I'd rather get the 10-speed hooked up to the 2.8... 7. 2.7. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn it, I almost had it. 2.7 liter. And uh, I'd rather have the four-door. It makes sense for a family guy. Um, and I probably would get just one step above the base trim with the Sasquatch package. I don't think I need the Everglades or anything like that. Okay. But I probably would get some of the components over time mm. and put them on there, right? Like the winch. Yeah, prob- I don't know if I get the winch. You know, I'm, I'm not a big advocate for winches. A lot of people out there are. I think that they're horrible for off-roading. <laughs> well, until you really need one. Yeah, but the, get a high-lift jack and, and put a cable on it. Well, that's, I mean, not all of us have power of Iron Man to go it, hoist your vehicle out of a... I just, I'm saying, just from experience that, uh, and this comes directly from Nick Kappa and a lot of other people at Jeep. Sure, it's a valid um, opinion. That, I, yeah. that added weight to any off-road vehicle is making them a bad off-road vehicle by comparison. I mean, okay, that's an interesting... I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think winches are super useful when you really need them. I, I, I agree with that, but I, I personally speaking, <laughs> unless I knew that I was going to be dragging logs off a road and helping people all the time and then getting myself out of trouble... I don't think I'd put a winch on most of the off-roaders I'd consider. So I just did this, uh, just did this. A year ago, Land Rover invited me up to go do this off-road competition with the Defenders. Yeah, you did really well, too. Thank you. Appreciate our team one. But one of the challenges was you had to winch a Defender 
up a hill backwards using a high lift jack, which to your point is doable. It's just really rough. Almost ended up in an ambulance after that. It was hard. I mean, obviously, I'm not the peak of physical athleticism, but wow, what a chore that is. But it is doable. It I is, mean, it, and I've done it before myself. It, it will get you unstuck. But um, so you wouldn't do the winch. Now, I I just drove for the first time, actually, the um, 2.3 liter, the, the four-cylinder. Yeah, what'd you think? I liked it a lot. It wasn't at elevation. Was it though. a manual? It was. I drove both. I drove an auto and a manual. What'd you think? Um, the manual's much better than the Wrangler I, manual. Yeah, yeah, seven throws. First of all, yeah, with the crawler. But it's a granny year, really, on the first. It's a granny, yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, it was just better throws, more engaging, right? um, Less kind of wobbly. Uh, So I like the manual, but I I am with you in my off-roader, kind of leaning toward the ten-speed automatic. Just as better. And if that's the case, then you're gonna you might as well go to the beefier engine, so you have more torque. Yeah, I don't know. So at sea level, we were right on the right at sea level. I thought it was really pretty good. Three hundred horsepower, three twenty five. Was that a two door? Foot pounds, no four door. With the Sasquatch, I thought it was plenty Interesting. power. But come up to five, 6,000 feet here. Yeah, because even with the turbocharged engine, you're still going to have some loss. Right. right, that's exactly right. And then um, you hook up a little camper, like you tow your little camper behind that. Yeah. I'm not sure it would be very happy. That's that's the other part, is that I do like towing trailers. By the way, I got rid of that camper thing. Goodness. Did you really? Oh, I'm so happy about What that. happened to the camper? <laughs> What's the story? So Nathan had this little, little pop-up. Pop up. Yeah, it was a 10 trailer. It was a very small one, too. It was at the most 1,200 pounds, loaded probably. 1,200 pounds, and I could tow it with anything, really. And it was it was decent. I used it about five times. It was a COVID project, so right when COVID kicked in, I figured, okay, I'll buy a crappy trailer, fix it up with the kids, and we'll go camping, which is exactly what we did. And it was great. Uh, and then one day, I took it to Moab for the Easter Jeep Safari. That was last, the, the previous one, mm-hmm. and there were high winds. Was that with that um, Atlas? Yeah, like, I towed it with the Atlas, yep. and that's why I had a blowout on that cheap little crap tire that I bought even though it was new. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of things happened. Anyway, um, it got blown. The wind was so bad, I had my stabilizers out there. I even had extra jacks because I'm a heavy guy, so walking around that thing, I had jacks underneath it just to make sure it didn't sway. And I was deep asleep. The thing about Moab is a lot of people fall asleep heavily <laughs> because they work so hard, right? Yeah. And the, tr- the trailer got blown into a tree. I kid you not. It moved <laughs> about two feet because I opened the door and I couldn't open the door open all the way the next day because it blew close- closer to this tree that was far enough away originally to open the door all the way. And I'm like, what the hell? And I had to undo part of the, 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 uh, the fabric and, and, and like drop through in order to get out. Um, it's too light. It doesn't have enough amenities. My kids did not like sleeping in a tent. So I'm going to replace it eventually with a hard-sided trailer at some point you in time. You wouldn't do the pop-up thing again. I, well, yeah, I would, but it would have to be um, like a, a Hilo or one of those other companies that, oh. that they, they fold, but they're still hard-sided. So you're done with the soft-sided. We live in winter country, mm. so I can't use – I can, but it's, it's not as comfortable for my family to use a canvas-based pop-up in cold weather. If I have a hard-sided trailer – it's easier, even a pop-up said trailer, to use it during any time of year. Right. So eventually, probably in the next year or two, once I figure out, you know, because I, you know, I just moved into a new house, so <laughs> got to take care of that. And um, so eventually, in a year or two, I'll get another trailer. Probably be hard sided somehow. Somehow. Now the other cool thing, which we were just discussing before <clears> the <throat> podcast, is Nathan is well, kind of on his territory, but Nathan's looking into buying a little truck, perhaps. Yes, I, I am quite serious about it now. I, I know it takes me forever, but I'm actually thinking about buying a new vehicle. 
as opposed to always buying used. I always buy used. You always buy used. For myself, yeah. at least, yeah. Um, Which is a good idea, by the way. Well, yeah, it saves you a lot of Well, normally, it yeah. saves you a lot of money. Although, right now, in today's economy, it actually makes more <laughs> sense if you can find a new one. Anyway, we're not going to go over there. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm looking at uh, small and mid-sized trucks and just comparing notes. I have to have something that my family likes driving and at the same time is economical and can haul a small trailer and can hold a little bit of load. So I'm looking at a few things, um, but I'm not going to speculate on exactly what I'm going to get yet because um, I'm, I'm, I'm shopping around. Uh, one of the interesting things, though, and I'll spoil it a little, is yeah. one of the top of the, Nathan's list is the Ridgeline. Yep. Who would have thought? Nathan, the hardcore off-road guy, looking at a Ridgeline. Because I'm going to buy another off-roader to take off-road. Or I'm going to keep my, my Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee and maybe build that up and take that off-road. There's a, once again, uh, I, I live in Denver, and the office is in Boulder. Right. So the, the mileage, and I, I just moved actually slightly further away, so my <laughs> mileage is going to be about 45 miles each way. Give or take, you know, traffic and some light driving. Uh, the point is, is that that even if gas prices drop down another ten percent, it's still not going to go back to where it was, and it's really expensive to mm -hmm. drive back and forth. So, getting having a vehicle that gets decent mileage is important. Having a vehicle that's important. I'm an old fat man, so I need comfort. Um, and it's funny, like the Tacoma, which I totally would choose. I just drove one back from Moab, Utah. Yeah. And did you see me get out of there looking like a pretzel? <laughs> I, it's still very uncomfortable oh, for me. Oh, no. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of other reasons why uh, I'm, I'm looking at the Ridgeline. And the primary reason, I know this sounds bizarre, but I brought a few home, obviously, because it's what we do. And my wife fell in love with it. She absolutely, absolutely loved it. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, she really liked it. And uh, a friend of ours has the older one that she actually drove. And she's like, this is great. I don't understand why we don't have one. Right. That was her attitude. I don't understand why we don't have one. And I'm sitting here going, well, honey, I can't bash off-road with it. And that back then, when that happened, mm -hmm. that's when I owned my Suzuki uh, Samurai. Oh, yeah. And she's just like, you got your Samurai. What, you can take that off-road. What are you talking about? And she's all <laughs> over me about that, which is true. So if you have a second vehicle, an off-roader that you can play with, then there's no reason why you have to have your commuter, which can also be a utility vehicle, have to also be an off-roader. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a big Ridgeline guy until I uh, had a chance to road trip one from L.A. back to Denver. That was towing the... Um, the Talon. Talon, that's right. Yeah, that was Honda's. So that was like a 3,000-pound load, 4,000-pound load that you were towing. Absolutely right. And then I got out of that Ridgeline. I'm like, all right, best mid-sized truck. Uh, it's comfortable, <laughs> Amazing. right? yeah. It's so comfortable. It's just so simple. Look, I, I know it's not a pickup truck. I call them crossover pickups, personally, because that's what it is. Right. Although the Ridgeline, a lot of people say, oh, there's no frame. You know what? Actually, technically, there is. There's a subframe in there that's built in, but it's a whole different story. For a family vehicle, when you're not going to be doing heavy loads, you don't need to tow more than, say, 4,000, 5,000 pounds at the absolute most. I think it's brilliant. The, uh, the, so the thing about the Ridgeline is it kind of drives like a pilot or even, exactly. maybe even an Odyssey a little bit. But that's great because they're, they're fantastic things to drive on the road where you're going to spend pretty much 99.9% .9 of your time. That's exactly it. Off-road, yeah, it's not much of an off-road truck, but it's not really trying to be. Well, I took one through Onion Creek and it did mediocre. Yeah, um, it does okay. It does okay. The Actually, the um, the ultra, I forgot the name of this oh, four-wheel drive system they use. Um, yeah, oh, I know uh, it, IVTM4. There you go, very good. Yeah. Um, it's that's, really good. It's a good drive. vectoring, so in anything other than going over boulders, it's really good. So I'm not here to... to, to, to you know, wax on about how good that vehicle is. I think it's great. Would I buy something else, like a mid-size uh, Toyota Tacoma, if it was more comfortable? Yes. Uh, have I looked at the Nissan Frontier? Definitely. 
I'm just trying to find something that's in the perfect medium where everybody's happy in my household as well. So that's why I really think it's brilliant. So kind of going off of that, actually, yes. let's talk about some of the off-roaders, maybe more soft roaders we've driven, which have been very, very impressive. Yeah, there's been a few. And one of them I want to point out, actually, is that same system. It's the, um, the Honda Passport. So same all-wheel drive system, same 3.5 liter V6, yep. but it's got so much traction through that torque vectoring system. Mm -hmm. Not great angles, but you can really point it through soft sand, through uh, ruts, and it really does quite well. Yeah, um, I, I was in the Borrego Desert with one, and they just introduced, essentially it has very similar to the HPD package available on the Ridgeline. Mm. Um, and yeah, and you know, there's comments like, dude, you gotta have a locker on it. Yeah, it's just soft rotor, dude. Um, but in terms of loose sand, rock, the heaviest stuff average people would go over, and also washboard, which, by the way, washboard sucks. Yeah. I hate washboard. This thing handled washboard beautifully, and that's because that is a very soft suspension. It's more car-oriented, which actually does help on that. If you have a stiff off-road suspension and, like, solid axles, going over washboard really sucks. So this thing actually has a lot of benefits. As a mom and dad, everyday, you know, child transport vehicle fantastic one that could do very light off-roading but do it competently very good it needs skid plates it right. needs a little bit of a lift and it needs way better tires tires by the way on almost anything makes the difference but here's the cool part honda told me not even off record on record that they will be updating parts that you can buy for this vehicle and other honda vehicles in the near future to make it more off-road worthy. Well, you Their were in words. the, it was called the Trail Sport, right? Was the one you mm -hmm. drove? Yeah. yeah, the Trail Sport is the most off-road worthy of all the pilots. More of an appearance Passport package. Yeah. yeah, but still cool. No, it, but it had a couple extra things too that made it a little bit more off-roady. And I thought it was great for what it was. Great car, I agree. Now, kind of along the same lines, if you want a similar size, maybe a little smaller, but a vehicle that's also comfortable, a great family hall, a great around town, but very good off-road is actually the uh, Ford Bronco Sport in the uh, the top trim off-road models. They've got real skid plates, they got recovery points, they got good tires, no low range, none of the software. No, but really it has that range. GOAT function, which is really a very good traction control system. Yeah, and the Bronco Sport, I mean, it's not as cool as a full-size Bronco, the top doesn't come off, but it will go a surprising amount of places. I was really impressed with the packaging, and I, you know, at first I kept thinking, you really shouldn't call it the Bronco Sport. I, I thought that that was a terrible idea, especially because it came out technically before the big Bronco came out, and I thought people would get confused. Nobody's been confused. They get it. Now it, they get it. I think now they, initially there was a lot of confusion. Yeah, it, but it, now. it's kind of funny because we've, we got questions when it came out, like, uh, does that really have lockers? And I'm like, gosh, no, no, it doesn't. Um, it is for marketing. A brilliant idea. A lot of people love them. They drive them all over the place. They don't take them off-road that often. That's exactly what it was built for as like sort of a fun, occasionally outdoorsy vehicle that can go and do decent off-roading. I would say it's pretty close to the capability of the um, Jeep Compass Trailhawk. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're neck and neck. I'd say maybe even more so because it's got this trick um, rear diff with the twin clutch. Now, the well, most the, the, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the Cherokee the, that the, has a twin clutch. So the Bronco Sport has a twin clutch. The oh. Cherokee Trailhawk, yeah. this is the most capable you can buy because it's got a real locker in the back. Yeah, it's right. it, with, with that system. And that one, but that's t a little bit bigger. Yeah, so and it's it, slightly higher. The Cherokee Trailhawk does very good off-road. It's got it, low range, and, and I mean, it's got everything you need. Yeah, and that is, it, 
it just needs more ground clearance mm. and a better approach angle in my book. But we've taken them off-road throughout Moab. Well, you and I uh, took yeah. both of the, that and also the Compass off-road there, and they did all right. They did really well. But the point is, is that the Broncos right up there with them. Now, I don't, Bronco Sport, I should say. The Compass is one of my least favorite new crossovers, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Uh, the Compass just does not work for me. So basically, it's a Renegade, which is... Which is okay, and then they make it a little bigger, and, and you lose a lot of the charm and even some of the capability. Um, what but do you think of the Renegade? I don't hate it as much as you do. I don't. I, you hate it. Dude, don't, don't, even, don't even deny it. Man, Tommy almost threw stuff at it last time <laughs> when, we, when we got the very first generation in our office. I actually really liked it uh, when it first came out because you could get a manual option, which was cool, but yep. not with the Trailhawk. Right. You can only get it with the lower, other trims. But it was like a little rally car when I first drove it, and... Um, Andre and I took it to Hollister in California, and we drove every version they had, and uh, one of the people at Jeep who knew us quite well was like, try the manual, go over and just you know, do a little rally run with it, and we had a blast. It was really fun, because it has a decent all-wheel drive system, but there are a couple problems with it. First of all, not very big, uh, which is a problem for some people. It looks almost too Jeepy, even though it's really not a Jeep per se, it's a car. Um, it needs, just like all the other ones, better ground clearance. The tires are pretty decent on the Trailhawk. Um, not enough power. And and never had, and so far never, it still doesn't have enough power for ser any serious off-roading. Yeah. That's the problem we ran into, is that going up certain, remember we had to actually push it physically yeah. to get it up and over a rock or two? Yes. It needs more power, uh, especially up here at high elevation. Or better gearing. Yeah, I mean, the think about the... the, the uh, I really like the look of the Renegade. I think it's got a kind of an interesting look. It's kind of It's cool. trying too hard, to your point, to be a Jeep. Too many Easter eggs and too many little... Yeah, the, 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 the little cutesy things. Uh, but it, remember who your audience is. I know. I just feel like they kind of missed some of the charm of, like, the original Cherokee, which was also boxy and very kind of squared off, right? But that had the low range and it yeah. had real solid axles. And the Renegade, right, I'm good with having it independent, but the 2.4 liter engine, it's just not very good. Tiger Shark. Yeah, that nine speed, I don't like that transmission very much. Well, the new engine's a three cylinder turbo. The turbos are better. A I drove some of better. the turbos are a yeah. little better. But yeah, I just, I feel like they lost some of the Jeep charm and especially the Trailhawk. Like it had this button that said low and you're like, oh, let me push it, it'll give it, me a low range. It's not, it actually just retards the- uh, Like the, locks it in first gear. Yeah, yeah. that's it, that's all it really does. Um, but, 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 there's a 4xE version in Europe. Well, yeah, that's right. I hear good things. So I suppose it's gonna, there's going to be that version that's going to trickle over here. That might actually be a better vehicle. So I'm going to give Bronco Sport a big yay. Um, Jeep Cherokee, big yay. I'm going to have to give the Compass and the Renegade a nay. How about you? Um, well, it really depends on the audience, but I think I agree with you. All right. So okay. some other vehicles in the soft road segment, and we've owned a couple of them. Um, Subaru. Now, we don't really have much of a relationship with Subaru, so we go out and buy them for yeah. long-term testing. And what I have to say about the Outbacks that we've owned and the Crosstrek, good clearance, 8.7 inches. Excellent. Some of the best in the business. Good clearance. Excellent on-road, really good fuel economy. Like, yeah, good at great in snow. Very good in the snow. Um, but they are let down by the powertrains off-road. Mm -hmm. I've heard, like, the wilderness trims are a little better with the turbo. Well, you did drive one wilderness, didn't you? I you... towed with the wilderness. Yeah. yeah. And I, I liked it. I thought it was good. But the issue is with, with the transmission to CVTs is they don't have very good torque distribution at low speeds. Mm -hmm. So it can be really hard to go up steep hills and over obstacles when you're trying to manage low speeds. Which is one of the reasons why we ticked off um, uh, Subaru, because we actually took one on a very difficult trail. And at one point in time, it cut power... Uh, to all four wheels, basically, as we tried to go over an obstacle, no matter what we did, traction control on, off, all that other stuff, nothing worked. And the funny thing about that trail, I mean, we've taken older Subarus with conventional manuals and, and automatics. And they banged through it. Whoop, 
They yep. would go up them. Um, but the uh, CVT stuff is not my favorite off-road. Having said that, on-road, they're lovely cars to drive. Very good in dirt roads. Very good in snow, slush, ice, right? They're good on almost everything, really. And, and usually very economical, too. On top of that, I do hear that the new Wilderness editions of now three of the vehicles, I believe, or two of them. Uh, Forrester and Forrester, Outback. Yeah, Outback. Yeah, uh, so, uh, they have better off-road capability because their system is supposed to be Beefier. more. Yeah. yeah. So, and we have yet to, to to really determine that on our own, but we hear from other people that are friends with Alex Dykes, whatnot, that it's much better off-road. So we'll find out in the near future. And the thing about them is, my only, I mean, I love the cars. I yeah. don't have anything about, but the issue is, I think sometimes their marketing and their community overreaches their capability. Oh God, yeah. And that's why I have an issue because it's true. The old stuff, like an older Forester, I mean, they'll just wow. You had a Forester. Yes, for a while. I did. I had the technically a first generation with the new body on it. Uh, it was a 99, I guess. And it was it was the first car I bought myself new, like with my own money. Hey, those, are, those are really very good was, for what it, they Manual are. transmission had the 2.5. It was bulletproof. That thing, I, I did replace the clutch once I gave it to my wife. Um, long story there. But the point is, is that it towed well. It went off-road quite well. I loved it. But, and it was just a good, solid car. But I do get tired of getting yelled at by the super community saying their cross-trick can go up deep trails, and they really can't. Oh, yeah. Even even the guys who go and put lifts on them. Look, uh, the manual version of the cross-trick might be able to be a lot better. I took one off-road. My neighbor bought one because I right when, remember they switched to six-speed like two years ago mm. from the five-speed. Um, yeah, you can still get a manual in the cross. Yes, yes, Only you, can. Car you can. Very hard to find though. Yeah, and but it, it's it's a viscous coupling setup too. It's the older version of their all-wheel drive system, right? Oh, okay. It works great and it's fantastic and it's decent off-road. But even if you're in first gear and you're trying to feather it up a hill, you'll start baking your clutch after a while. Sure, because so, the gearing's just not exactly, so exactly. Yeah. But all in all, in terms of overall capability I, and and safety, I do recommend them to quite a few people, regardless of their PR branch being idiots. They do an excellent job with building a car. And, yeah, if they do want to send us one, we'll be happy to give it a fair test of wilderness. I'd like to see what it can do. So beyond that, let's go to some other um, other brands. Uh, Toyota. Uh, Toyota has some very capable off-roaders and, and some stuff that looks like it should be and isn't. I agree with you right there. Absolutely. Okay, so are we going to talk about the, uh, the Toyota... Corolla Cross? Sure, let's start with Yeah, right terrible off-road. Okay. Yeah, really not built for off-road <laughs> So at all. what is that? That's like a little small crossover thing? It's a crossover. It's a smart thing that they built because they had their um, CHR, which initially looks like it's a little off-road crossover rally car thing, never had four-wheel drive in the United States, and it was or all-wheel drive, and it's kind of a useless vehicle. This is much more capable because it does have all-wheel drive as an option. Now they're ha they have the new one's going to come out with a hybrid system. And essentially, it's a baby uh, for uh, RAV4. Think of it that way. A less expensive, more economical RAV4 that's smaller. Very, very good little car. But off-road, the angles aren't very good. The off-road system or the all-wheel drive system is not built for rocks of any sort. But, but... In snow, it did fine. Uh, on loose dirt and gravel, it did just fine. So right. it's it's mediocre there, but absolutely not an off-roader. Now, step up, you get the RAV4 lineup. Right. And the RAV4 lineup has a lot of different configurations, including some off-road-oriented trims like the Adventure. And the TRD. And every time, yeah, and the TRD off-road, right. And every time I've been in those, I've always been disappointed with them off-road, even the ones marketed for it, because mm -hmm. they don't have the clearance. They've right. got really long overhangs. Yep. Uh, they don't have any under underbody protection, really. Right. And the engine and drivetrain is just not meant for it. Yeah, there's, there's not enough low-end torque, really, to make them worthwhile totally. off-road. But light off-roading, once again, they're just fine. I would say that they're comparable to anything else in the class. 
the TRD does give you better suspension. I think a slight lift. Well, yeah. It's like a more uh, capable suspension, according to them, I believe. The issue is, is the TRD looks like it should be good. It looks like it should be a Bronco Sport or right. Cherokee competitor. Right. And it just isn't. I agree. It won't do it. However, go up a class to the 4Runner, and any 4Runner is incredible out in the dirt. It's really funny you mentioned that the past, like, six days, I've had the worst luck with 4Runner drivers. And 4Runners are one of the <laughs> pop most popular vehicles for people to buy in Colorado, regardless of gas prices, because they don't get good mileage. And I've been like almost run off the road and T-boned two different days by Forerunners. I just don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, Forerunner is still a classic truck, a body-on-frame truck with solid rear axle. If you get the right one, you can get a proper four-wheel drive vehicle with the locker in the rear, I believe, and oh, yeah. uh, you know some fantastic off-road toys. Including the eight-track system, eight-track crawl control, yeah, yeah you all can that all get stuff. Them, yeah. And it's just a beefy, capable vehicle. It's a tank. It's not an economical to drive. It is everybody. not an economical vehicle. <laughs> no, it still has, I think, a five-speed automatic transmission. Yes, sir. I think it's the last vehicle. <laughs> it might be one of the last. <laughs> one of the last to have a, a transmission like that. Uh, anyway, um, but absolutely phenomenal. Really can take it to both Jeep and Ford in terms of its capability. It can keep up with them on almost any terrain. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, you don't have to even get a full TRD Pro. No, you, you just like the off-road package. SR5 or TRD off-road, and it'll go amazing places. Exactly, so, yeah. Love the Forerunner. It's old, fifth-gen been around for what but 10 people years, are still buying years. them like crazy people love them i love them too yeah they're yeah. great vehicles now the tundra uh finally has a rear locker yeah. pretty good off-road um mm. still not as i don't think it's well the I, I know we harp about it but the tow hook thing is kind of a is an issue i've been yelled at by this by both fans and and, and toyota people actual toyota people but and some people say well you don't use tow hooks that often you know what that's wrong i just recently used tow hooks on my jeep and I'd say I've used tow hooks going off-road at least a dozen times in my lifetime. When you need them, you really need them. And they do what they're supposed to do, which is they're an anchor point on the front of your vehicle, allowing you to either be pulled out or pull somebody else out if you don't have a winch. Mm. And that is really important. And for some reason, uh, well, I know there's reasons, uh, the Tundra doesn't have it. And that is a big demerit for me. However, it does come standard with the locker, with uh, the high trim, with the... Uh, TRD package, yeah. Yeah, with the package. Plus, it has that uh, hybrid system. Yeah, if you get TRD Pro, yeah. Yeah, and it's super powerful. Yeah, we just we just had that orange TRD Pro, and that thing was freaking that was, awesome. That was awesome, and it looked great in orange, by the way. Yeah. I thought it looked fantastic. It looked really good. Um, so there's a lot of positive, but I just don't think it beats anybody off-road that it competes with. I think it's equal to, in many cases, but there's nothing that it does that I think it's outstanding. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tacoma, same thing. Amazing truck off-road. It'll go everywhere. Maybe oh we'll God. do one of these for the truck podcast. So. Tommy and I took one off-road at Moab and on Fins and Things. Yeah. It had no problem. It just laughed off of most of the stuff we did. Yeah. It didn't care. Yeah, I've taken them through Colorado, same with Nathan, and they really are very, very good. Um, not so great on-road, but off-road. And, and not very comfortable. No, I'm not sorry. very comfortable. sorry. Even with the – and that one had the electric seat, and they said that would make things better. Not, not so much. really. Not, not really. really. Yeah. So other vehicles. Let's yeah. go through General Motors, Chevy Blazer. No, 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 bueno. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I cannot give any type of endorsement to that vehicle other than it being a regular everyday driver that happens to have all-wheel drive. It's essentially a wagon in my book, which is and it's perfectly fine as a wagon. It has a nice, comfortable interior. 
That part I will say it does have, but that's it. Yep, great, completely. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, um, Colorado's ER2, Silverado's ER2. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Incredible. 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 Yeah. The, but the Colorado I, I, appeals to me even more than the Silverado because I like the size of it. It's really good for hard trails. Yeah. Um, once you go to a full-size truck, sometimes those trails, especially the length of those trucks, going around certain corners is a little bit difficult. Having a mid-size truck that can fit, great. Now, one thing I will say, I just noticed this because I took the new refresh Silverado off-road. Uh-huh. I think because of the introduction of the ZR2, they're kind of targeting that as the full-blown off-roader. Yeah. And now they've kind of toned the, sil- the Trail Boss down a little bit from its capability standpoint. So we had a Trail Boss long-term. Yeah. And if I recall, that thing had all sorts of metal in the front, and it was really beefy. Yeah, it was really beefy, but it still had the G80 rear end. It didn't have a locker. Still well, down. but the new Trail Boss we just had at the office has gone to a lot of plastic in the front. Yeah. And that's not so great. So uh, really, if you want to get an off-road Silverado, you really should step up to the ZR2 if you're going to be trail running it. Yeah, but you're going to have to pay. You're going to have a lot cheap. of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you forgot one interesting vehicle that I think you and I might agree on, and that's the Trailblazer. Yes, the little Trailblazer you can get in an active trim. Yeah. And I freaking love the tiny Trailblazer. It's like just a good little tiny cheap thing, right? And it, you can actually get it, believe it or not, with all-terrain tires from the Yes. Factory and a skid plate. Yes, which is great. And, and those all-terrain tires make it work really well off-road. Things awesome. Yeah, really, really it's, it's great. It, it's, it's, I mean, no, it's not a crawler. but No, it's, and it doesn't really compete with the Jeep or the Ford Bronco Sport, but it's it's still very good for what it is. I would take it over Renegade. Would you really? Oh, yeah, I do. I really like God, that. God, you really hate that Renegade. No, I really like the engine. <laughs> I like the look of it. I like the... I, I, I'm down with it. I, 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 I might. It's, all, it's a little bit more roomy, I think. Yeah. Or I, felt so. It was great. Car. I drove one up and down California uh, for a good week and a half, and it was great. It was just a good little car. Fantastic. They really did a good job, actually, with the Trailblazer. Everyone is upset about it because the Trailblazer used to be this big thing with straight sixes and V8s, and there was the SS. Yeah, and they, and they had, had a couple other versions. You know what? That was crap off-road. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I went to the events, and they even had one that had a retractable roof. I forgot that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, the um, XUV or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And the um, they, they were too long. Plastic gas tank without a proper uh, shield over them that I felt worked. In fact, uh, somebody, I believe, in the press corps actually popped that tank oh, going off-road. Too long, too tiny wheels. The articulation was crap. I'm sorry, but you don't <laughs> see very many of these things trail uh, going over trailblazing nowadays, do you? Because they're not very good off-road. Argue all you want. Go ahead and send me an, a hateful email, but I'm sorry. They weren't very good. Um, so by using that name again with this little tiny guy doesn't bother me as much as using the Blazer name mm, again because the Blazer was off-road capable. Yep. I had a Blazer, if you remember that red one, which was, by the way, one of the best vehicles that we had on our uh, off-road challenge. Well. It, was, it really was. It was good, yeah. It was, the, the, the dimensions were awesome of that thing. The little tiny Blazer. It was the, the tiny Blazer that 2000s, could. yeah. Yeah, 90s. but anyway, the point is, is that, um, yeah, I, I, I see that there's... Ugh, People get upset about the wrong things. The, the, the original Trailblazer wasn't great. Sorry. So we, we had this series where we bought three super cheap off-roaders, a Grand Cherokee, a uh, Mazda B something, 2000. 2000. And then Nathan bought this little Blazer. Mm-hmm. What happened to that little Blazer? I kept uh, – long story short, uh, I had a problem with a vehicle that I had just bought. Mitsubishi Montero, long story there. And because it was in the shop all the time for like six months, it had all these problems. I just kept driving that little Blazer, which I had bought technically from the studio – and I kept it, and I maintained it. I updated the engine a little bit, did a little bit of work to it. It was a great daily driver. And actually got half-decent mileage. And finally, you know, it did leak a little, and my wife was upset about that. And she's just like, can we tow with it? No. 
Can our daughter drive it? Sure. The one time she drives it, she runs it out of gas and kills the battery at the same time. Oh, um, no. It just it had bad luck when, it, when my family touched it. And it's just it was old, so it smelled old and all that. My wife didn't like that. Anyway, I wanted to keep it as a project truck at one point, but it's just the timing was wrong. So I kept it for a while, and then I sold it to a really nice guy, the same guy who sold us your Suburban. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's, uh, you kept the money in the company. What a small world. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same dude. Um, I'm pretty sure. Sh- I'm hoping that the interior in that poor thing isn't as knackered as it was. Yeah, <laughs> your, I know. My suburban. my suburban was really But nice. I, I cleaned that interior and made it pristine. I replaced the door panel, uh, the door card, the uh, the passenger seat, the uh the spare tire carrier I had to completely rebuild because it was falling apart and squeaked every time you like would go over you know a mouse turd. It was bad, <laughs> but it got better. I, I just fixed it up and made it a lot nicer, and I really enjoyed driving it. It was just a fun little drive about, but and a pretty damn good off road. Had the G80, and if you recall, it did have one spot that it got stuck on that you didn't get stuck on in your Grand Cherokee when we took it on the off road challenge. Yeah. But otherwise, it did everything brilliantly. And unlike Andre's truck, it didn't leak fuel. Uh, well, yeah, that big plus. It leaked a lot of oil, but not fuel. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of oil. Um, yeah, so then Nathan bought my Grand Cherokee, and how has I, that been? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so comfortable, and it's just like I, I've had it for like eight months now. I've had it for a while. It just keeps trucking. It, it just keeps trucking. It's one. Uh, yeah, it's an 01. Um, it has about a quarter of a million miles on it. Wow. But we replaced the trans. That's the reason I bought it is because Tommy. Yeah, I <laughs> Tommy put all the money into replacing Put all it. the money into yeah, yeah. replacing the transmission. And so it, with a brand new transmission, uh, the engine runs just great. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have air conditioning or heating. The heater cores out. But otherwise, it's great. And off-road, fantastic. It's great off-road. Yeah. And like, it's really good. <laughs> so it's a uh, WJ Grand Cherokee. And the best part about them is they're so comfy. Really comfortable. Yeah. My big butt fits comfortably in the seat. I had to put some patches on it. But uh, driving it every day, it's a truly comfortable ride. I, I really enjoy it. And now I'm using it like a pickup truck. I've been putting lumber in there. I put like a 1,000 pounds of lumber <laughs> in this thing and just loaded it up the poor rear and squatting to the ground and, and you know lumber sticking out of the back and I have I actually put stuff on the roof because I want you know the Home Depot you're just going to do one run right you don't yeah, want to yeah. come back so I had to like I had to strap stuff to the roof and tie that down I was over its weight limit probably by a full thousand pounds oh, wow. you know and it just it just took it and it just it did it and it was just like I'm not happy but I'll do it just trucks a lot man it's a great great uh, used truck complete great great vehicle um, so other brands we should talk about Nissan Yes. So Nissan has, has built some um, of the best off-roaders in the world. Absolutely. Maybe Xterra? Oh, I do. And I still think we should buy one at some point. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, especially the Pro 4X, Xterra, Absolutely. and the Nismos were awesome. And then they kind of went through some dark times there for a while. <laughs> so, like, Nathan had a Pathfinder. Yes, I did. It was fantastic. Which was a third gen, and that thing was awesome. That was uh, bulletproof. It never left me stranded. Had a little bit of a transmission issue just getting it into gear sometimes, but that was fixed. Uh, other than that, and, and also like a, a couple sensors that went out, it had the 4-liter V6, which was just bulletproof. Man, that thing was awesome. Got crap mileage. Right. Uh, but it was a proper 4x4. But this one was different than the, the Xterra because it had independent rear end as opposed to a solid rear axle. That's right. And it had a third row seat. I used to truck my family everywhere in that thing. I kept it for a little over two years. And then my daughter was driving it and got hit by another person, and it was totaled. So that was an amazing off-roader. Excellent off-roader. Fourth Gen Pathfinder was one of the worst, most disappointing off-roaders I've ever driven. Because it was a station wagon. And it was a CVT, and yeah. it was not a very well-programmed one. They, they really did everything they could to really take it oh, off, uh, off the off-road scene. 
Now they did beef it up over time, and now the newest one is better. Is much better, and we haven't driven it yet, but they have a more off-roady version of it, which has got a slight lift. It's coming to the office, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah. cool! I yeah. can't wait. And it's got off-road tires, proper off-road tires. It's got skid plate. It's way better. I already know that off the bat because it's done the two things it needs to do: tires and lift. And it's got a real transmission, which Nine is great. Nine-speed. Yeah. Nine-speed. Thank goodness. Yeah, so Nissan's really coming back. Uh, still not quite as good as a third-gen, probably off-road. No mm, low range. but Yeah, it doesn't have the low range. But I think that it's probably in the same ballpark as mine. You know, mine did have an independent four-wheel suspension, which did not help it off-road. On the plus side, the Nissan trucks have always been very good. So Always have been excellent. Anything with the Pro 4X badge with Frontier or Titan, freaking awesome. Yeah, the only issue with the Titan, the modern Titan, is that the front end droops more than any other truck in the business. Mm. So its approach angle is not great and it needs to be fixed. Although I have a feeling that uh, it might disappear. So it might, might be a moot point at this. Well, they said they're going to build it for 22 and beyond is their official quote. I so, so. We'll, we'll have to wait. It's a see. great truck. Yeah. Just needs a little bit of a, a lift, a, a balance in the front, and then it'll be even better off-road. And the new Frontier is awesome. Excellent truck. Right. Great little truck. Something that would definitely be on my book for buying. Um, the off-road edition of it, as long as you don't have all the schmutz hanging off it, like the one that we borrowed. Yep. Um, fantastic. That 3.8 liter engine, lots of power. Right. Great power, great transmission, it's a nine speed, which is essentially the same nine speed out of the uh, Titan. Um, it's just a great all-around little truck, and I think it's more comfortable, way more comfortable than the Toyota Tacoma. So if you want something a little bit more luxurious, the Armada is okay off-road. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Andre and I actually took an Armada off-road and bounced it around quite a bit. It did fine. It's it, it's just it's really big and heavy. Not as impressive as the Land Cruiser. No. Which is now dead, unfortunately. Yeah, but... The we, LX is around. Right. In fact, there's going to be some videos coming out in the near future with the LX that we mm-hmm. just did. Yeah, so the LX is still around, which is great, which is the Lexus Land Cruiser. Yep. Uh, Toyota still builds the GX which is underneath incredibly capable, a little hampered by a lot of fancy bodywork. Yeah, but if you pull that bodywork off, suddenly you got a killer off-roading. Great four-wheel drive, great yeah. great underbody for off-roading. And now they just came out with the new Sequoia, and the new Sequoia is way better than the old Sequoia. Yeah, it, has, it looks great. Yeah, solid rear axle, lockers if you get the right one, locker rear at least. Um, much more capable off-road. Andre thought it was fantastic, and I would agree with him even though I haven't driven one yet. Yeah, I, I've, I've never touched one, not, not the new one. But yeah, so full-size stuff, right? Land Cruiser was amazing. A mm-hmm. little big and heavy, yeah. but that's kind of part of the course. And pricey. Uh, and pricey. Um, Armada's pretty good. Uh, QX60 is kind of a slightly worse Armada off-road. Oh, no, QX80. 80, sorry, yeah. the big one. The yeah. 60 is basically the same thing as a Nissan Pathfinder. Now, speaking of big luxury off-roaders, what do you think of the new Defender? I love it. I love it, and I hate myself for loving it. Okay. Oh, I, I do. I Okay, so um, I never brought the home our studio one, mm. but a neighbor, not a neighbor, but a friend of a neighbor's, uh, brought one home and realized I worked at TFL and brought it over. And my wife took one look at it and then looked at the inside. She's like, oh, this is beautiful. Uh-huh. She loved it. She loved its rugged feel, but it's a you know, sophisticated ride. We drove around as the four-door. We drove around in it and everything else. And honestly, and I've taken it off-road. I've taken ours off-road. Um, I think it's fantastic. The biggest problem, the only problem, but the biggest problem, wheels. 
Well, you can get the 18-inch wheels, but you have to get the four-cylinder, and the four-cylinder is not the, very good. No, and you don't want the four-cylinder no. if you can avoid it. Yeah. I want the, I want the well, actually, the V8 I would prefer. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> but the point is, is I'd rather have those wheels available for the, and I know that there's a brake issue because the brakes increase in size with the uh, greater power, I believe, and as such, you can't even put on the smaller wheels. But I'd love to get 17 or 18-inch wheels on there with a real tire, with a real sidewall, so we don't go over the same issue we had when we went off-road to Red yeah, Cone, yeah. and poor Tommy... I have never seen Tommy that upset <laughs> in such a short amount of time as I did on that road for a logical reason. That, that was done about a year ago or a little over a year ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We went to Redcone with a uh, Jeep Wrangler 4xe, uh, the new Bronco, right when we got it, like a day after we got it, and our Land, uh, Land Cruise, Land Rover. Defender, yeah. Defender, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. And the Defender did not do well. Look at that video. It's very popular. Um, it And the biggest problem was it's a tire and wheel package. Yeah, and that was with the off-road package, too. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, um, I th- I think that the, def- the Defender did exactly what it needed to do, which was your wife's initial impression. We opened it up, and we were like, wow, right? But it can still off-road. Like, it really can off-road. Yes. Potentially. Yes. Which I, I think Moab. Uh, Come on. It did really well in Moab. It, yeah. It's just, it's like, it doesn't really have real skid plates underneath it. It needs real skid plates. It does. You can't get it with sliders. The wheel packages you can get with it are not, like you mentioned, they're too big and the tires are too small. Mm-hmm. Um, the four-wheel drive system is amazing. The low range is incredible. Train response is fantastic. And, and the powertrain, if you go up to the, the six-cylinder. Yeah, six-cylinder is one of the best I engines. I hear that eight-cylinder is a ridiculous monster. Yeah, that six-cylinder is one of the best engines out there. I, I go back and forth because I think if I had to cover 1,000 miles on dirt roads, Defender all the way. Mm-hmm. But if I have to go through you know dirt hills and, and over rocks and through swamps and through mud, it's not it's not a Wrangler or a Bronco competitor. Which is what kills me because they, they, they say, oh, you could take it to the Serengeti or whatever, you know, and it's yeah. like, mm, I don't know if I really would want to do it with this one with the 20-inch wheels. Um, it's it's a hard thing. So I love it, but I hate myself for loving it. I, I still would say yes if someone were to give me one and, and replace one of my children. Yeah, I'd, I'd do it. it still I, is, I really love it, but it'd have to be a certain trim for me. In my opinion, it is the most capable three-row SUV out there right now. Absolutely, right? and now there's a bigger one, the 130 that's the, about to come out. Yeah, that's a little long. That it's, looks like a hot dog car. Yeah, it's it's longer. It's just, actually, the wheelbase is the same. They just stretch the, the body a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. But, I mean, if you compare it to, like, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, which now has a third-row option and all that, mm-hmm. I think I would still go Land Rover if I had to choose between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at three-rows, like Grand Cherokee L, can't yeah. get a Trailhawk in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go off-road in a three-row, d- uh, Land Cruiser's dead. LX is supposed to be amazing, but it's got too much low-hanging fruit yeah, on the body. So, yeah, I mean, the Defender, and it's so comfortable. You're right. It is comfortable. It's comfortable. It's just cool. Six-cylinder is amazing. You yeah. can get it in the short wheelbase, which is pretty cool. Which I, I have yet to drive, by the way. I haven't either. I've yeah, I want to try it. I'm, I'm desperate because it's just got a, such a groovy, different vibe to it. Yeah, Defender 90. Yeah. Good luck. One day we'll get to that one. So, speaking of some of those vehicles... Um, I just drove the new Grand Cherokee, not the 4xe. Andre drove that, but the standard Grand Cherokee yeah. Hawk. Loved it. It was very, very good yeah. off-road. Um, I don't think the Grand Wagoneer and Wagoneer are m- much of an off-road vehicle. We took the Grand Wagoneer off-road uh, to a light off-road area, Andre and I. We didn't want to overdo it because the vehicle was like 100 grand or more. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another issue. Yeah, yeah, it was stupid expensive, but also it was one of the most beautiful interiors I've ever seen. Seriously, I mean, like up there with Bentley. Um, it's too heavy mm. to be a serious off-roader, but I know next year at Easter Jeep, there'll be people who will bring them with lifts, even though it shouldn't be. Um, on top of that, seriously powerful powertrain. Yeah. 
Not exactly what I consider to be fuel efficient. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, so it's got the big Hemi in it. Um, and it sounds great. It sounds amazing. Drives so sweet. So right. It, all, all it is good it. on road. Yeah. Yeah. And, but off road, it did, it did well for a very big hit. We actually took it on the same route we took the Armada. The Nissan Armada had better off road angles because it just isn't as massive. This thing is basically just like a little bit shorter than a Suburban, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's huge. And the new one is longer. Than is even longer than a Suburban. So, yeah, um, they want to compete in that segment. I think their timing's a little off. Hopefully, they have a 4xe version coming, so it'll be more economical to drive and a better range. I don't care about them. If you can afford that, you don't care about the gas prices too much. But range is an issue. I would love to have a 4xe version of it that's just as powerful with a longer range. Totally. Completely agree. So speaking of Jeep, how's the Wrangler holding up in 2022? I still think it's just an absolutely ideal vehicle. Your The one that you have essentially is the same thing it's been over the past like four years, right? Yeah. And it's the most basic off-roader you can get. The manual transmission, it has anti-spin rear end, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Slip. Yeah. Um, off-road tires, you can go almost anywhere. Um, granted, if you go on our off-road course over at our ranch, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> well, there's one obstacle hard. you're probably going to stuck. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but the, seriously, just a good, solid vehicle. And if you think about it, without buying the heavy, high-end ones, if you go on the entry-level versions of these and you're very careful about what you select, you can actually get a pretty good deal on them. And they still have some that are available, according to a friend of mine who just ordered one just a step up above yours. Oh. So your, uh, yours is the Willys. Sport. Willys Sport. The Sport Willys. There's also normal Willys. And he's getting the normal Willys, that's yeah. right, uh, which has a little bit more just, you know, stuff right. on it. More but, goodies. Yeah, a few more goodies, I think. Is power windows. Power windows, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, is that it's a really good vehicle. And then you can really go across the line. So... The only thing that they have that they need to do, I believe, is they need to make the uh, Gladiator a 4xE version, yep. which they announced they're basically going to do, but they just haven't said when. And I have a feeling it'll be exactly the same uh, powertrain that's currently in the regular Wrangler. Wrangler, but they might change the battery size to possibility. You do have more space to work with, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I were to get it, first of all, the Wrangler still is one of the most off-road capable. It's just super off-road capable. Right, absolutely. Um, now, the way I would do it, I would probably either go relatively affordable like I did, where you spend thirty-three grand, Which I get, think is an excellent idea. Yeah, that, obviously that's the way I went. Or if you do want to spend more money and get more creature comforts, I'd probably go for the 4xE, actually. Even, I mean, yeah. you're going to save a lot of money compared to like a 392. Um, yeah. And three, it's, it still is a good performer. It's fast. You can go 20 miles on all electric range, right? Yeah. And you still get all the, if you get the Rubicon one, you still get all the off-road stuff. So Which we've taken off-road, and I thought it was brilliant, just as good as a regular one. Yeah, heavier, and which is an credit. issue. You also get the tax credit. Yeah, you can't, you, you can be eligible for a tax credit. Yes, Remember, guys, it may not, you may not be eligible for it. But the other thing is, is that you know, I live uh, within, say, five miles of my kid's school. So if I plug in this thing, go and drop them off, and then come back home, I'm just using electricity. And I got to tell you, in today's day... That's kind of cool. I, I like the ability to do that. But on top of that, the uh, 4xE system is very good for range. And once again, range is huge for me. Being able to go off-road and go 400 miles on a tank or something like that, that's huge. So uh, let's do a quick rapid fiver over some of the yes, last please. vehicles we've driven over the last 10 years. And I'll let you answer on these. Okay, and I'll, try to, I'll make my answer short. Surprising ones. The Suzuki SX4. 
What a great little vehicle that was ahead of its time, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And then they even had a manual transmission of it. Very good. Uh, All-wheel drive system, not an off-roader. Um, your dad took one off-road, and it did all right, but it once he got up to the heavy stuff, it's just not going to go. It's not built for that. But way ahead of its time, very good, kind of a crossover restation wagon. Great car. Yeah, great. Loved yeah. it. Um, Suzuki Grand Vitara. I had an XL7. I actually owned the, the long one. So the first-generation XL7, um, I had it with a manual transmission and without the third row seat, but you can get a third row seat in that. That's the stretched one. Really, really good for the basic things. It's a cheap vehicle built that way. So you have to keep that in mind. The regular Grand Vitara, a little bit more off-road capable, potential there, but none of them were really built to be serious off-roaders unless you put your own money into it. They never had one coming from the factory that had a really good off-road setup, right? Well, we got, I don't know what happened here. They sent us one when it was brand new. But Suzuki was a cool company. Yeah. It's kind of sad they went away, actually. I, me too. I'm thinking about all the cool off-roaders they did. But they sent us one that had an old man emu front bumper. Yeah, and Remember a suspension lift. Yeah. And a suspension lift and beefier tires. Kind of badass. And I think that thing had a low-range member, right? So that Well, it, and it was, that was stock. The low-range cool. was stock. Yeah. Right, right. The thing about that whole setup was that was they were showcasing what you can do with the vehicle. Right. And, of course, both your dad and I said, well, why don't you just do this at the factory? And so you have an off-road version. But back then, Suzuki was really struggling. Um, and so we had a stock one, and we put it up against that one. Right. And we went off-road with That's the two right. of them. And that was a great video. We had a great time with that. So it has potential for those of you who are looking at a cheap uh, off-roader. But I think it was great. All right. Toyota FJ Cruiser. Oh, God. Yeah, of course. Great. Uh, horrible to see out of, but great. Okay. I can't stand trying to look over my shoulder or see anything out of the back because those pillars are massive. But otherwise, very good off-road. A lot of people beef them up, lift them and all that and try to make them fight Jeeps. I think the minute you lift them too high, you screw them up royally yeah, because they're very top-heavy. Um, mild lift with the right tires really is all you need for the top-of-the-line versions of those. And you can get a manual transmission with them. All right, and then of course, the vehicle Nathan is legendary for, the Suzuki Samurai. What, the best off-road vehicle ever made. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is. He, well. It is, it is, it is. Okay. Not if you have a spine, but it, yeah. Well, okay, it hurts. All right, so you have to enjoy pain, but if you do, um, the very, very primitive, and the, a lot of guests don't know this, but the proportions of that vehicle are nearly identical to the original Willys Jeep from World War II. They are almost identical, so size-wise and all that stuff. Uh, but a lot more powerful with a more modern engine, even though it's a 1.3 liter or something like that. Um, a couple things. If you're going to upgrade it and put on, say, beefier tires and a beefier suspension, which is what I did, it will be more comfortable driving on the road, which isn't saying much because it's still terribly uncomfortable. But the minute you do that and add weight and larger tires and more rolling mass, that poor little engine is going to struggle. So everything you do on that, unlike a lot of other vehicles that are out there, you have to upgrade. So, for instance, the minute you make it heavier with bumpers and tires and suspension, you're going to have to beef up the engine and possibly drop the 1.6 in there, blah, 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 blah. And you just keep on going with it. Oh, God, you brought up the picture. Yeah, we got So it. for those of you who are listening and not watching, Tommy just brought up a picture of me and my ill-begotten, horrible, but lovely... Yes. 2001 or two, I forgot. Um, we we got to finish up with this. So Nathan's been famous on the channel for his love of the Mitsubishi Montero. I've you've, owned three. Yeah, you've owned a few of them. Got a couple pictures up here if you're watching on YouTube. 
Let's finish with the Montero. Is okay. the love affair still there, or has it waned? Since For the first and second uh, generation, I love them still. The first generation, which I had, which was a two-door, and, and if you're watching, you could kind of see this really crappy. I was taken with a 110 camera, if you guys remember those. Um, that was that was my actual Montero right there. So it was dark blue. I loved it. Had manual front lockers. Had a four-cylinder engine. No power whatsoever. I added a few things to it, and it kept up with all my friends back then who owned various types of Jeeps and whatnot. Fantastic, very comfortable on the road for what it was. Very comfortable for big people. Big canopy, great, great, great car. Uh, and I regret getting rid of it even to this day. To this day, it was my fav one of my favorite off-roaders. Then I had the second generation, which was great. I don't have a picture of that one, unfortunately. I think I do have someone's one online somewhere. Um, it was really good. Um, unfortunately, at the time, it didn't fit the bill of what I needed. Actually, I replaced that vehicle with the uh, Land Rover Defender that I had that we talked about oh, earlier. Oh, the Discovery? Yeah, Discovery, not Defender, God. Um, and that was... Uh, I did that because I needed a little bit more power. I needed to tow a little bit more at the time. And no, that's that's the sport. It's, that's no. Good. Oh, that's not what I want. No. Right. Um, so the second generation was really good, a little underpowered. I wanted a little bit more power, a little bit more tow capability, and that's why I did it. And I kind of regret that. I still regret the first one. The third generation I had, boy, that thing was just a land. When I first bought it, <laughs> it drove, and I bought it from a dealer. Normally, I, I don't. Um, and they, I think, did a few things that may have made it feel better than it actually was, perhaps thicker oils, a bunch of things. And it drove great at first. No lights came on, no problems. One problem started mounting, then another problem started coming up, and then another problem, and it just kept going. They took it in, yeah, there's the tow truck that took it away. Um, it developed enough of a problem with its intake to where the entire system had to be replaced, and because the intake had such a massive failure, it caused some problems, and I think it baked one of the um, one of the cylinders too, or burnt a ring or something. Something went wrong, and it wasn't running right even after that was replaced. Uh, the computer went out when they kept trying to reboot it and get it going again, so that had to be replaced. And eventually, it got to a point where I made a deal with the dealership for them to buy it back. <laughs> it was a mess. Um, what a disaster! It, yeah, and this was over the course of six months. And over the course of six months, I drove it for one month. Uh, and I was just, I was done. I was so furious about it, and it it really was my fault for not doing better due diligence. Had I hooked it up to an OBD two at a mechanic, which is what I tell people to do, yeah. you know, when you buy a used car, especially one that's pricey, I would have seen that there's some faults that were or problems coming up, and I would have probably turned away from it. I didn't do that, and that was stupid of me. Um, and this was going to be a project vehicle that I drove every day. That was the whole point of it. Um, and the funny part was my wife liked it Oh wow! <laughs> until it disappeared in the shop and never came back. So I just want to finish up on this. The yeah. best part about this whole story is, is uh, we're, we're good friends with Moto Man. He's got a very popular YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Moto Man, uh, he is an old buddy of ours going back 10 years. Yeah, yep. And, and uh, Moto Man hates Monteros. No, he hates Mitsubishi. Oh, the whole brand. He hates the brand. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> He's called for a holy war against them. He does not like Mitsubishi. And I've had a lot of conversations with him. Like, well, what about all the history of the Pajero yeah. and Dakar? Like, oh. The, the biggest winning vehicle ever in terms they won the most of cars out of any other automaker. And he's such a rational automotive guy. Then you talk about Monteros and he just starts fuming. So Nathan's uh, joke is he actually – see if I can zoom in. On his <laughs> Montero, he put a little sticker that says Moto, Moto Man approved. Yep. Yeah. 
He saw that. He thought it was hysterical, and he got mad at the same time. It was great. And then, of course, I kind of died right after I put the sticker on, there. which is just amazing. I, was with, I took it off road one time, and it did fine. But it started stalling. That's when I had an indication that there was a problem. And these things, I mean, the idea behind them was wonderful. It really was the first of its design, where it was a unibody, independent rear suspension, but it still had. Uh, proper low gear setting, a proper transmission. It really could go off-road. I towed a little bit with it. It did fine. <sighs> Unfortunately, very, very complicated. Not something I could work on in my driveway myself. And the mechanics basically gave up on it, and it just it, it turned into a pile. Uh, what do you call it? A garbage fire? Uh, a dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. Yeah. Well. One thing after another. Oh, every other day, they would ask me, "How's it going?" There's another problem. <laughs> no, no. How, how's it going today? <laughs> uh, yeah, they found another code that popped. It just it kept getting worse. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I really feel bad because I put money into it, and I did lose a little bit of money. And the outcome was, <laughs> I ended up buying Tommy's uh, Jeep for a temporary vehicle. Yeah, and it's been around for eight months. Eight months, and it's been fantastic. Trucking along. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a lot more we didn't talk about, like the yeah. Volkswagen Touareg and all sorts of Wranglers that we've owned. But we'll save that for another show. Um, so, Nathan, favorite you've owned? My very favorite was my Montero. My first generation Montero is one of the, my favorite vehicles ever. Had it had more horsepower, I'd find a way to, to buy it. I know there's a V6, guys. I don't like that one. Um, there is a turbo that they built. There's an Evo version. Ooh. That's overseas. Wow. I think you can. I think you can uh, import them, but it's they're almost be pricey. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be my dream vehicle to get the Evo version. But anyway, nonetheless, that was one of my favorites. Also, another one we didn't talk about that was one of my favorites was my old black Tacoma, oh, which yeah. was in 2002. I loved that truck. Yeah, it was uncomfortable, and it had the uh, king cab. It wasn't the full like uh, crew cab, but it was so good and just so reliable and so capable off road. I love that one too, and I miss it. Until your wife almost hit a a, a group of demonstrators, and then it was a yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah, that was she, she popped the clutch by accident. She, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a long story there. A lot of stories involve your wife and clutches. They, they really do, don't you they? That? <laughs> I'm so glad she doesn't listen to these broadcasts. And if you do, honey, I love you. All right. Okay. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, let us know what you think. What the best and worst off roaders you've owned are, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.